And if you know anything about John 15, just to kind of give you the, the backdrop of John 15, John 13, John chapter 13 through John chapter 16, they are believed to be some of the last words that Jesus shared with his disciples, with his closest followers. They believe, uh, researchers believe that John 13 through 16, it's, it's um, the, the real private words that he shared with his closest followers on the night just before he went to the cross. And so um, these are really important words. If, if it, a lot of the times people will say, I'm not used to reading the Bible, where should I start? Should I start in Genesis? And I say, no. Should I start in Matthew? No, start in John. Because John, uh, the book of John, really, John the writer, really uh, gives us a good view of who Jesus is. And John 13 through 16 are just some powerful chapters telling us a lot about Jesus and what he feels about us and what he wants to do in our lives and, and all that. So, so just get this in your head. This is just a rendering, uh, artist rendering of, you know, when the disciples gathered together in this secret place, it's called the upper room. Uh, Jesus and his disciples shared Passover meal together. Jesus tells them what's going to happen to prepare them. He doesn't want them to be blindsided. At one point, Jesus exposes Judas, and then Judas leaves the, the room, if you know anything about the story. Um, at the end of John 14, Jesus tells them the remaining 11 disciples <clears throat> to come with him. So they leave together, and they begin walking during the night, walking through the city of Jerusalem. And they are headed to the east side of the city, which is headed to Gethsemane, which is the garden area where Jesus would spend the night in prayer. And we know that garden area to be a very famous thing because that's where Judas came with the, the soldiers and the Jewish religious leaders, and they arrested Jesus after Judas kissed him, the kiss of betrayal, they, you know, and that whole thing. And, and, um, and so I want you to get this image. They're walking through the darkness, and Jesus continues to speak to them. They, he was already talking to them in the upper room. They leave the room. They're headed to the garden, and he's continuing to talk to them. Uh, very, a, a lot of researchers believe that they were probably passing through areas that had grapevines. So, so this metaphor that we're going to look at in John 15 really makes sense. It's almost like Jesus is pointing to something, and he's like, this is what it's like. Um, look at what he says in John 15. <clears throat> Jesus says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Now, I'll be honest with you, that, that last part, apart from me you can do nothing, has been something I've been writing in my journal for like the last four months, um, this John 15, 5. And, um, it, uh, you know, there, there are certain, um, certain verses that I... Um, I I'm probably will never get a tattoo on my body, but I see that I feel like God is tattooing them to my heart. And uh, that's one of those verses that apart from me, you, you can do nothing. But anyway, I want you to see in this passage, and you can look on your outline. Hopefully, you've got the outline pulled out that's in your brochure, and you can follow along. If you look at it, <clears throat> there's a certain phrase that Jesus uses, and he actually uses it, uh, what is it, five times in four verses. Anybody know what the phrase is? Help me out. Re, starts with an R. Remain in me. Yeah, yeah. He, he says, remain in me. I think he's making a point. He's using remain in me, this phrase, five times in four verses. Remain in me. He wants us to get this. He, he calls us to be close to him. He calls us to stay close to him. 
And then in verse 7, look at what Jesus adds. If you what? Remain in me. There it is again. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for, what's that next word? Anything you want and it will be granted. Say that word again with me. Anything. Come on, say it to your neighbor. Anything. You, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. That's the verse, the passage that's grabbed me all week long. Wait, anything? Anything. Jesus says you, you may ask for anything and it will be granted. So as we're talking about prayer today, the thing that I want you to catch is not so much the anything, but it's the prerequisite. It's, it's the condition. It's the premise to that promise. You know what it is? It's the remain in me part. If you remain in me, you can ask for anything and it will be granted. Jesus says, if you stay connected to me, if you're in a relationship with me, you can ask for anything and it will be granted. So fill in this first blank on your outline, if you would. The starting point to answered prayer is being in a relationship with Jesus. Come on, read it together with me. The starting point, come on, read it with me. The starting point to answered prayer is being in a relationship with Jesus. Yeah. To experience answered prayer, I must be in a relationship with Jesus. You see how that works? So in order for me to see anything that I ask for granted, I must be remaining in him. I must be in a relationship with him. Now here's the funny thing. Far too many people think that if they simply believe in the idea of Jesus or the idea of God, or the idea of the Bible, or if they go to church every once in a while, or if they just live a good life, the Girl Scouts are out selling their cookies, I think that's great, but a lot of people think if I just, you know, pay my taxes, buy Girl Scout cookies, and live a good life, then God should answer my prayers. If he's such a good God, then he should answer my prayers. But that's not true. I mean, it's really clear that we are invited into a relationship with Jesus. Jesus is saying, if you stay connected to me, you can ask for anything. If you remain in me, anything you ask for will be granted. So the starting point to answered prayer is being in a relationship with Jesus. And in order for me to be in a relationship with Jesus, I have to make choices to stay in that relationship. Now, hopefully you understand that. We're all involved in relationships to one degree or another. We're all involved in relationships with different people, if we can use that as a kind of an understanding point. Something I've realized about Jesus is that Jesus never moves away from me. (laughs) He doesn't walk away from me. I'm the one that always drifts in the relationship. He's always there. In fact, it's interesting that when Jesus was born, he was named Emmanuel, which means God is with us, God with us, God is here, God is there. He's not going anywhere. So it's me that's the one that that drifts in the relationship. Jesus never pulls away from me. There's never, um, you know, if there's any distancing in the relationship, it's because I have moved, not him. So this is what I came to this week, and this is what I want to share with you today real quickly is what are some things in my life that disconnect me? What are some things in my life that hinder my prayers? Because we've already said, if I get disconnected from Jesus, if I'm not remaining in Jesus, my prayers will not be answered. And I don't know about you, but I want my prayers to be answered. Anybody else like me in that? I want to see my prayers answered. 
So, so how can I work towards that? Well, there are some things that hinder my prayers. You want to get these down. They're really quick and they're really easy to know. Ready? First off, sin hinders my prayers. Sin hinders my prayers. Now, that's kind of a given. You would expect that. It's not real profound. The prophet Isaiah writes in Isaiah 59, sin in our lives, I'm sorry, it's your sins, rather, that have cut you off from God because of your sins, he will not what? Listen. So it's sin in your lives, in my life, that creates this barrier between us and God. And, you know, when, when we're cut off from God, we're cut off from all that God offers us. We miss out on so much because we are allowing sin to remain in our lives and create this barrier. But it's not just that. There are other things that, that hinder our prayers. Get this one down. Not forgiving others hinders my prayers. Wow. That's a big one, I think. It's interesting that the number one characteristic connected with prayer in the Bible is faith. Number one characteristic connected with prayer is faith. The number two characteristic connected with prayer in the Bible is forgiveness. So, so God and, and the, the writers of the Bible, Jesus, Paul, others, they're, they're telling us, that you got to have faith to see answered prayer, but you got to have forgiveness in your heart to see answered prayer. Over and over again, when Jesus talks about prayer, he talks about forgiveness. He ties the two together. Look what Jesus says in Mark 11. I think this is amazing. He says, you can pray for, there's our word again, anything. You can pray for anything. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against. That's pretty clear. That my unforgiveness towards someone else, not forgiving others, hinders my prayer life. I mean, who knows? Maybe it's true in your life today. Maybe, maybe your prayers are being hindered because you need to forgive someone. How do you know? I'll tell you how you know. Because somebody's face is already coming to your mind as we're talking right now. Because if, if you have unforgiveness towards someone in your life, I guarantee you it's the Holy Spirit that begins to talk to you about that person and says, what about him? What about her? What about that situation? Is it time to let it go? Is it time to forgive? Hmm. Interesting. Just think about what Jesus includes in the Lord's Prayer. We always say that, you know, it's one of the most famous prayers in the Bible. People can quote the Lord's Prayer. They have it done at weddings and funerals and all kinds of stuff. But look at what Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer. This I don't know about you, but I feel convicted when I read these words. Take a look. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. So he's telling how we should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins. Hold on as we forgive those who sin against us. Jesus says, God, forgive me as much as I forgive everybody else. Now, here's my question. Do you really want to pray that? I mean, how forgiving are you? Hmm. Next, broken relationships hinder my prayers. Broken relationships hinder my prayers. There's one example that the Apostle Peter shows us. There's all kinds of different ones, but I, I want to pick on this one. Sorry, husbands, if you're a husband in the room, I'm going to pick on you. Here it is. Look at what Peter says. Husbands, come on, read it with me. Husbands, you must give honor to your wives. 
Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be what? Wow. Isn't it amazing how even on our way to church we can have arguments and disagreements about things? Married couples talking to you today. It's amazing. And and yet Peter is saying, if you don't want your prayers to be hindered, guys, husbands, Give your wife honor. Treat her the way you should. Now, I got to tell you, I I know this personally. If you can believe it, I know it's probably way hard to believe. But even after 34 years of being married, there are times when Dee Dee and I just don't see eye to eye. Can you believe that? That's just hard to believe. I know. I mean, I'm a headstrong guy, and she's a headstrong girl, and we just sometimes argue. The pastor and his wife argue. You know what I'm saying? We do. We do. There are, there, are, there are times like that. And I've noticed something. I've noticed that if I am arguing with my wife, if I am not on the same page with my wife, it affects my relationship with God. It affects my time with God. It affects my conversation with God. Things just don't feel right because my heart isn't right. Husbands and wives, listen to me here. If you are not right with each other, it's going to affect your prayer life. It's going to affect your prayers being answered. It's going to affect your relationship with God. Be aware of that. And I don't know about you, but that pushes me to get things straightened out with Didi so that, that my relationship with God, my heart is right again. It pushes me to do that. Next, get this one. I think this kind of leans right into it. Selfishness hinders my prayers. Selfishness hinders my prayers. Again, there's a lot of different texts I could go with on this, but this is the, the area, that the, I guess the angle that I want to take on this. The Apostle John, who, by the way, wrote the Gospel of John, so we saw John 15, he wrote a letter later to believers in, in, in churches, and this is what John writes. He says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. So he's saying, come on, we, we need to help each other, right? We need to be generous to each other. We need to be compassionate and actually do things to show our generosity and our compassion to each other. And why? Look what he says. And we will receive from him, God, whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. He's saying when, when we show compassionate action, not just thoughts. Oh, I feel really sorry for that family. They don't have enough food. No. When we go out and buy groceries, right? When we are generous, not just in our thinking, but in our actions towards people. Peter, or sorry, uh, John says to us that we will see answers to our prayers, that he will give us what we ask for. Wow. Now, Jesus puts it a little bit differently. And he puts it in a passage in in Luke 6 that a lot of times people equate to finances. But actually, I'm not going to take the time. If you actually back up in the context of Luke 6, you see that Jesus is actually talking about, guess what? Forgiveness, which is kind of interesting. And Jesus says, the way you give to others is the way God gives to you, the way God will give to you. Again, that, that kind of ties into that, you know, Forgive us as we forgive others. 
So now God is saying, Jesus is saying to us, God's going to give to you the way you give to others. Wow. See, I'm convinced that we have to demonstrate a heart of generosity towards others in order to experience God's blessing in our lives. And if you're not seeing answers to prayer, maybe this is an issue. Maybe selfishness has creeped in. I, I didn't include the passage, but in the book of James, uh, if you don't know, James was actually the, the half-brother of Jesus. James writes this. He, he talks about how that we don't have because we don't, we're not asking for what we have. And then he says, and you don't have because you're asking with the wrong motive. And I, and I think a lot of the times, selfishness, keeps us from experiencing what God wants to do. Look at what Solomon tells us in Proverbs 21. Whoever ignores the poor when they cry for help will also cry to God for help and not be answered. Wow. If we ignore those around us, how can we expect God to help us? It's true. Lastly, get this one down. A lack of faith hinders my prayers. The Apostle James writes this. When you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God. So I want you to circle that word faith because that's important. Be sure that your faith is in God. When you ask, be sure that your faith is in God. Do not waver for a person with, a, with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Look what it says. Such people... What kind of people? People that, that doubt, people that don't have faith, that have a lack of faith. Such people should not expect to receive, there's our word again, anything from the Lord. A lack of faith hinders our prayers, hinders your prayers, my prayers. Isn't it interesting that in, in several situations, Jesus talked about this with people that he um, had the opportunity to interact with throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how he, he talked about this faith. Do you have faith? Do you believe? He, he was challenging this. One of the most fascinating ones that I think exists in Scripture is Matthew 9. Look at this one. Two blind men followed along behind Jesus, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. So Jesus asked them a question. Look what he says. He doesn't say, what do you need? What do you want me to do for you? Look what he asked them. Do you believe I can make you see? Hmm. Do you believe? Do you have faith that I can do this? Look what they say. Yes, Lord, we do. We have faith. We believe. That's why we're asking. Look what happens. Then Jesus touched their eyes and said, because of your, what's the word? Faith. It will happen, and suddenly they could see. Hmm. So Jesus says, because of your faith. See, I, I think, and this is just my idea, and I know that's whatever that's worth. I think we see so little in our lives because we have such little faith. I, I believe in a big God. But all too often, I forget that when I pray. Anybody else like me in that? It, it feels like sometimes the situation that I'm facing is bigger and it's scarier. 
And I don't know what's going to, it's out of my control. And I, and I don't know what to do. And it becomes this big, huge thing. And, and, and I forget that I have a big, huge God. Our God is greater. That's what we sang earlier. Greater than what? Greater than anything. Our God is bigger. I think one of the most important things that you could do when you leave this room today is just remind yourself all week long, God is a big God. My God is a big God. When you go to work tomorrow and you face something that you didn't expect, you need to say to yourself that self-talk that you have, you need to say to yourself, my God is a big God. He's bigger than this issue. He's bigger than my boss. Listen, I told Brooke yesterday, she went, I think I mentioned that she went to state for her audition for a music major transfer. You know what I told her? As we were driving there, I said, here's the thing. There is no win, there is no losing here. Listen, I said, God is in control, not these professors. So it doesn't matter. I said, do your best, but it doesn't matter if you blow this or not. You know why? Because God knows if she's going to end up at state or not. Anybody else believe with, that, with me on that? I believe that. I believe God is in control. Should we do our best? Absolutely. Should we do it with excellence? Absolutely. Come in prepared, all that. And she was. But ultimately, it's up to God. It's not up to these professors. Because you know why? My God is bigger. My God is greater. And if he wants her to go to state, he's going to work it out. She's going to go to state. If he doesn't want her to go to state, guess what? He's got something better. I believe that. I've experienced that in my life. I don't know about you, but I have. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I think we see so little in our lives because we expect so little from Jesus. And Jesus is saying, hey, let's up your game. Do you believe that I can do this? So John 16, we already talked about 15. 16 is literally some of the last words that Jesus said to his disciples. Look what he says. This is so huge. Ask the Father directly. What are we talking about? Prayer. Ask the Father directly. And he will grant your request, so he will give you what you're asking for, because you use my name. Jesus says, ask using my name, and you will receive. Now, I grew up in a Christian family that attended church all the time, and I would hear this all the time. I would hear people praying, and they would end their prayers in the name of Jesus, amen, right? I found myself doing that at times, too. In the name of Jesus, amen. And I got to be honest with you, growing up in church as a kid, I just thought that was the signal that the prayer was about to end. You know, kind of like 10-4, good buddy, you know what I'm saying? Or, or, or like over and out, or, you know, talk to you later, God, you know, kind of like, it was just kind of the end. That's what I was thinking in the name of Jesus. But recently, not, not too recently, I take that back, more like about a year ago, I, I heard a story that it, I think explains it better than anything else that I've heard. And I've heard the theological points of this, and I've heard all of the research stuff of this and just what Jesus was talking about. But to me, this says it. And I want you to think about this, this father who took his young son and 14 of his son's friends to a carnival for his son's birthday party. So just get this in your head. He's got 15 friends, or 15 kids, his son and 14 friends at this birthday party at this carnival. And he buys this roll of tickets 
The, the carnival rides require tickets. So he buys this roll of tickets and he'd stand in front of every, like a good dad, in front of every ride. And he would just, the kids would come by and he'd just hand out these tickets so these kids could ride these rides. And these kids were having a blast. And on about the third ride, he's giving out tickets like that. And all of a sudden, he looked up and he realized there's this little boy asking for a ticket that he'd never seen before. Wait a minute. I don't, I don't recognize you. Wait, who, who are you? Hey, buddy, are you with my son's birthday party? And the little boy says, no. He goes, well, then, why should I give you a ticket? And the little boy says, because your son said you'd give me one. When I pray, I don't ask on my own. I come in the name of the Son of God. And I say, Father, you don't have to give me anything. You don't have any reason to give this to me, but I'm coming to you because your Son said I could. Jesus says, ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. Would you bow your heads with me today? This was a lot of stuff all at once. Different things that, that hinder our prayers. And I don't want us to go out of this room without a time of praying. To be honest, we've got people that are part of Pathway Church that are going through some really serious things. And, I, and I've been finding out more and more over the last few weeks, really stepping into this year. I've just kind of been praying for a lot of people because I've been hearing the situations and the stories. And, and um, I, I, as a church, I want us to pray for some people. And so... I've actually asked Caleb to, to come down and pray. I'm going to ask Carol if she would come down as well. And just, they're just going to be up at the front. If you would like prayer, we want to pray for you. But before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity to clear the path. <laughs> because we know there are some things that hinder our prayers. And we may be asking for something. And, and I think the Holy Spirit is saying to us today, you got some stuff in the path that needs...